Let's pray. Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The story in Daniel today is about the attempt to use raw power and wealth to control, intimidate, and diminish three men who merely were trying to hang on to their identities and their souls. But really, when you think about it, what chance did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have? Sure seemed like King Nebuchadnezzar would have the last word, huh? After all, he had a 90-foot statue of himself made of gold. Can you imagine that? Who could argue with this guy? Shadrach and company, I think it could be said, had a snowball's chance in you-know-where. But wait, there's someone else in the fire. This story is about much more than the bravery and character of Shadrach and his buddies. This story tells us about the faithfulness and the character of God, who shows up on our behalf in the most God-forsaken places. Are there any places like that in your life where you wouldn't put God there normally? This story also foretells the story of one, Jesus of Nazareth. So, how did these guys get into such trouble? Well, last week, if you were here, you remember, we talked about how the Jews were exiles in Babylon for 70 years and how God promised that God still had plans for them, so don't lose hope, and how they were to therefore trust God and try not to fight the Babylonians, but rather get on with your life and seek the welfare of whatever city you find yourselves in. I give you Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, three Jewish men who we learn early on were smart, educated, and talented individuals who were given positions of leadership in King Nebuchadnezzar's administration, along with, coincidentally, another contemporary of theirs named Daniel, who ended up facing not fire, but uh, what is it that he faced? It just eludes me at the moment. Oh, yeah, that's it. Indeed, kind of a similar story. So these three men had uh, loyally performed their duties, just as Jeremiah, God, had instructed them. They sought the welfare of the city while remaining faithful Jews, at least as much as they could. And yet, the attempts to intimidate these immigrants, forced, had begun long before. You see, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were not their real names in the first place. Those are Persian names. In the first chapter of Daniel, we learn that their birth names were, of course, Jewish names, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Now, this change in names is uh, quite significant, as names not only signified one's identity and heritage, but in the case of these particular names, also one's religious beliefs. So all three of these original names of these Jewish men contain references to the God of Israel. Hananiah means God is gracious. Mishael means who is like God. And Azariah means God keeps him. Oh, yes, he does. And 
Azariah would soon find this out personally. These references to the God of Israel have now been substituted in our story with references to the Babylonian gods, such as uh, Nebo is one of the gods. So Abednego means servant of Nego, not to be confused with Negan from a certain popular TV show. Okay, sorry, that one. Well, Abednego, in fact, wasn't a servant of Nego or any Babylonian god, nor were any of these three men. And this fact was not lost on some of the loyalists to the king who were out to bust some people, okay? Who correctly observed that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not bow down to worship the 90-foot statue of gold of the king whenever the trumpets and other instruments sounded. That was your cue, on your knees. Our three heroes didn't go for it. Now, the 90-foot statue of gold indicates that Nebuchadnezzar presided over an exceedingly wealthy kingdom. Essentially, it's been called a cult of gold, of wealth and the power it brings. There's as much worship here of gold itself as of King Nebuchadnezzar. Yet for Shadrach and company, none of these things were praiseworthy. More importantly, neither was King Nebuchadnezzar praiseworthy. And when the king was informed of this fact, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were brought before the king to defend themselves. And they were told in no uncertain terms they would suffer the same fate as anyone who did not worship the statue, namely, thrown into a furnace. The king then asked the rhetorical question, and who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? The correct answer is, of course, no one. Their response, and I paraphrase, well, they said, I guess we're going into the fire then because we will not worship the golden statue. If our God is able to deliver us from this, fine. But if not, so be it. Either way, we've made the right decision. King Nebuchadnezzar didn't like that answer. And in his rage, he stokes the fire so hot that it kills the guards who put them in. Thanks for your service, boys. And so now Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego are in the furnace. But wait, there's someone else in the fire with them. Someone who has the appearance of a god. Furthermore, Shadrach and his buddies appear to be unharmed, their hair not even singed. Indeed, as we find out later, they were not harmed at all, and henceforth, King Goldfinger treated them with just a little more respect after that. The message to the Jews in exile was unmistakable. And it's this, that no matter how bad it gets, God has not and will not forget about you, but stands with you in the fire because God has plans for you. What are the broader meanings of this story? I think we all would have our own meanings that we might... Um, 
connect or interpret out of this story. And there's many ways to go. But one meaning here is unmistakably social and economic. God stands with those who are bullied by wealth, power, bigotry, and conformity. And God promises to prevail over all kingdoms and all attempts to intimidate and control and dominate others. So who around us in this world is intimidated and threatened by raw power is a question the text asks of you and me. Can you think of any examples in our country right now? You can probably all think of many. Okay, thanks, Dave. Um, there you go. There, there's, there's clearly one. We've already have uh, an example articulated. It has a lot to do with, with, with wealth. Um, another one. How do we treat the immigrants who, who come to our land? Do we honor and respect their beliefs, traditions, and identity, or do we turn up the heat and threaten them? Or, as we've been learning recently, over and over again, far too many men in positions of power have used that power for sexual purposes and, in the process, have created a furnace of anger, shame, and desperation for many, many women. But wait, there's someone else in the fire with them. Another connection, maybe. I can't help, when I read this text, think of climate change. Perhaps you read the article recently that in Minneapolis since 1970, we've just learned the average annual temperature has risen six degrees. And really, um, Besides that, how many times do we need to hear about a glacier the size of Rhode Island that has just broken away from Greenland or Antarctica and is now melting in the ocean? I'm getting tired of hearing about that. What does this have to do with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Well, literally, the heat is being turned up because very powerful interests are being protected, I think. And you know who the most vulnerable are here. I mean, we all are human race, but here's a hint, it's not the people who own skyscrapers, but the poor, who are always the most affected by such things, who are uh, most affected by increasing droughts and violent storms and rising seas. Again, don't get me wrong, everyone's in jeopardy. But you know who's first to be thrown into the furnace? But wait, there's someone else in the fire with them. And that someone is God, who often shows up through people like you and me because we are called, you see. Is there someone around you who is being squeezed by the powers that be in some way, shape, or form who needs your presence on behalf of God? And speaking of you and me, another meaning of this story is more personal and existential. Whether you call it a fiery furnace or a lonely wilderness or just a hard, hard place to be, 
All of us are there sometimes, huh? Sometimes a lot longer than we want to be. It comes with being broken and living in a broken world. We learned today that not only did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego benefit from this God, this story tells us about the heart of God for all people, people like you and me. That means that you and me, both of us, can say with confidence, when things look unbearably bleak, wait a minute, there's somebody else in this fire with me. I can count it. I can count on it. I know it to be true. And that person is not just a God who is impervious to the flames, but even a God who was fully subject to the flames even died in the flames of, of this combustible humanity. The fourth man in the fire is a lovely preview of Christ and the cross. By becoming a human and submitting himself to something even more awful than incineration, God is saying in no uncertain terms that he stands with us in the midst of the worst that human existence has to offer. He stands with us and he bears it with us and for us so that in the end we are unscathed, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, one, one might say, okay, time, time out, wait a minute, just, just because you're a Christian or a Jew, we know from history that God lets Many people die, sometimes in horrible ways. Look at the Holocaust for the Jews or countless Christian martyrs over the years and so on and so on. Yeah, okay. In a material sense, in a this-world sense, it may appear to be defeat, abandonment by God. But this is only temporary. In the broader scheme of things, we are all like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. God stands with us and preserves our lives for all time. As Romans reminds us, and as uh, our, our dear departed friend Shirley Moeller through Romans reminds us in, in a verse that I read yesterday that Shirley had picked out, who will separate us from the love of Christ? For I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, and you could add in there, nor furnaces or crosses, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And you think that doesn't make a difference for our lives right now when you're in your God-forsaken place? I think it does. And so we have a reminder that God is to be found most powerfully in our lives. Right where there is fire, pain, and hardship. And in the spirit of Advent where there is waiting. Waiting for restoration. Wondering if heal, healing and wholeness will ever come. For the Jews, it was 70 years during the Babylonian captivity. This is what famous idea, Lutheran idea of the theology of the cross is all about. God is right there where our pain and suffering is the most poignant 
to bear our sin and, and brokenness so that we don't have to, at least not by ourselves, to redeem our suffering even as we wait in hopeful expectation. Only a God, and this is important, only a God who fully owns the brokenness of this fallen world of ours and bears it can truly help us. That God has done and does each and every day. So, when you walk out of here today, don't forget there's someone else in the fire indeed, and it's God. Amen.